Roundtable discussion from the Buffy Rewatch abridged version, which is a lecture and screening series hosted at Fox Popular Gallery in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania throughout the month of October in the year 2015. Each Sunday, we are featuring an, a season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where we screen select episodes paired with a lecture helmed within Buffy Academia. And followed by that, we do a roundtable discussion where the lecturers from throughout the screening series discuss topics related to the screened episodes and uh, the season as a whole. This week, we are listening to the roundtable for seasons one and two, followed by a Q&A with our wonderful audience. So let's give a listen, and thank you for tuning in. We'll be updating with a fresh podcast every week in October till we close this event series in November. And we hope that uh, you, the Buffyverse, enjoy our discussion about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Thank you. She has to stay here and host us. Nobody broke into that bubble though. You gonna, you gonna come host us, Beth? Got a fancy chair. I, these are, I, I love these chairs. I insist on bringing them out. Yeah. Beth, are you mic'd? Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty loud. Yeah. I think we're okay. Yeah, I mean, we could, like, go, like, move it like that. Yeah, that's um, I really don't. Okay. Especially this, after this is, like, the fifth I'm kind of, like, blocking which means it'll know, just be way better next time yeah it'll be way better we're learning from our mistakes um so the roundtable discussion is uh built around honing in on the episodes that we watch but also getting more in depth on character development um, through a season. So we're, we're not doing over um, long story arcs. We're doing like season one, season two, and that's how we're talking about the characters. So um, as James eloquently put it, you, the, uh, you guys are the real geeks, you suck it out. And this is the type of conversation you're gonna wanna get into. And um, so we're gonna go through our conversation. It, uh, we promise it won't be that long and then we will get into the audience and want to hear from you about um, how your ideas and opinions about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, so, to start off, I'm going to introduce everyone around the table. So at the end here, we have James Myers. He's doing season three next, next weekend uh, with Ann Cornell, who was sick and could not make it tonight. Keep on saying so tonight. next week. It feels like nighttime. It's almost... Uh, Megan Carr, who you just met, and John Cave. This is Homei King, and she will be doing season four. Uh, we'll be screening Hush, um, which will be the following weekend. Yes, that's going to be good. Yeah. We're psyched. Um, and then we have here, well, we're going out of order now, but Kate 
Craftson, right here. Uh, she's doing season six and seven, She'll, so she's got a lot of homework. So <laughs> she's got two seasons, um, and that will be concluding the, the lecture screening series November 1st, so be sure to make it out for that. And then right next to me, we have Lynn Dorwalt. Is that how you say your name? Lynn Dorwalt. Um, and Lynn will be doing season five. Um, so without further ado, let's go over our homework that we did. You guys did your homework, right? Yes. Sure. Okay. Hold up. I'm going to pull it up on my phone because I assigned it. Um, well, no, no. We're starting off. We're starting off going with uh, see, uh, season one, episode one. Welcome to the Hellmouth that we saw earlier today. Oh no! Anne's supposed to be doing Buffy fashion, but she's not here. Uh, I can pretend okay, to be Anne. Like right it's now. very. You're highlighting it. I feel like this wonderfully. is a mid-series Buffy fashion. Oh, uh, what I'm wearing, I, well, I mean, what I'm wearing today, I'm doing um, Buffy, I am trying to do season one, which is the signature bangs that I got going on here. Uh, Buffy also wore a lot of the tight, short mini skirts season one uh, with the boots. I got my uh, trusty pen for taking notes in class because I'm a good student. And uh, I got your my, pen ready to observe your, my knowledge. stake here. Where's your mom? Do her mom jacket though? No, but we do have one Buffy cosplayer that's got. Would you like to yeah, oh. come up and show everyone your Buffy mom jacket you wore? Yeah. It's really good. Nice. Oh, oh very nice. Um, so that's a little Buffy fashion for you there. And well, we do have one of my favorite quotes from Cordelia uh, commenting on Willow's uh, wear, where she <laughs> says, oh, I see you're getting into the softer side of Sears, which is one of my favorite jokes. Cordelia has like pretty much all my favorite jokes in, in Welcome to the Hell Mouth. And uh, so Willow obviously is sporting some Sears uh, uh, attire. Um, <laughs> I guess like now on the spot, I guess that's as much as I can really think for Buffy fashion for uh, Welcome to the Hell Now. For uh, season two, um, the uh, School Hard, I, I took notes while we were watching. I have Buffy fashion for um, School Hard. And I wrote down um, that the signature Spikes outfit, which is his long leather jacket, and he has his like little red you know, blouse top, and then Drew, <laughs> it's not very manly. Drew has, uh, is wearing her signature baby doll, um, Victorian-esque um, nightgown slash gown. Um, then we have, oh, I was really into, I, I wrote a lot of notes on this, Buffy's outfit when she was painting, um, <coughs> when she was doing the, the banners for parent-teacher night. So she has her overalls on. I love Buffy and overalls. And she also, she tied up her hair and put a paintbrush in to hold her hair up. Like I used to do that in, in art class when I was in high school. And she also got a little red paint on her cheek. I thought that was a really nice touch. So that's a little Buffy fashion. Uh, oh, and Willow is wearing a Scooby t-shirt, which was like a cue into the Scooby gang. Um, but it was, Scooby-Doo's nephew? What is that character? Scrappy. 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 I'm sorry. I didn't watch Scooby-Doo that long. I, I'm sorry. 
You didn't miss But it was scrappy. Okay, but you, you had scrappy. If you ask over scrappy, you're doing fine. Yeah, like, no, you can live without scrappy. It's just always on. Um, so that was like, and then Xander just has, uh, you know, normally he has like the Hawaiian shirts and stuff, but he was just standard uh, striped sweater Xander. Since we're talking about fashion and Xander, yeah. can we get into hairstyle? Yeah. What the, yeah. somebody else had this like yeah. first season Xander first episode Xander is shaggy, shaggy yeah. floppy Longer. also yeah. kind of hunky and then like what happened in the second season there with the when did the shortcut come in I don't even remember second season that came in his, the second season and that's when it seemed like his head shrunk yeah right yeah. his head no? in fact did yeah. shrink. <laughs> Um, Sorry. Uh, no, I feel like I'll go, did anyone else have feelings about this? Somebody did. There's a. No, I feel the reverse that you do. Oh wait, yeah. it's the other way. You like you like the short fuzz yeah. as opposed yeah. to the shaggy yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 the first episode was like a character. Um, <laughs> but I feel like that was more of a like right, typical teen guy like. But it's also the pilot, so you need to have your hunky yeah. guy, and then you can make him kind of a creepy, nice guy. And he actually is entitled a creep territory now. for the rest of the He's wearing his uh, St. Christopher's pendant, too. Mm-hmm. So he also like, had a skateboard yeah. in the first episode. Yeah. yeah. They they and clearly he's not good at it, so they just got rid of it. They, they started out, I think he was sort of described as a skater in the first episode, but then they were sorting him through. And in the season uh, two episode that we saw, he's wearing a vintage um, Hawaiian shirt. Um, they were still working with that skater surfer look, and I think it was kind of a scra- not scrappy, um, shaggy kind of stoner character. Yeah. But then they changed him into more of Jim a kind of dude, uh, yeah, a sort of invisible dude kind of character. Oh yeah, that's a good. I like the fact that you, you said. Spike was wearing a blouse because he's also wearing. <laughs> well, he's also wearing a women's leather jacket, right? That's true. Uh, yeah. yeah. And eyeliner. Owned by a woman, but not necessarily a woman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's kind well, of. Well, and the, uh, the eyeliner. I mean, he's a yeah. punk rock dude. He's so. a punk rock dude. Okay. He also wears nail polish. Yes, he does. Um. So. Well, I mean. All right. Those were all good Buffy fashion. Um, conversation. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I have to do that. What else um, should we talk about, Beth? Oh, James, it's funny you said that, because for Welcome to the Hellmouth, uh, you, want to talk you about are pop culture, pop culture. Yes, all the pop cultural references that happen in... You want all of them? I can't give you all you, of them. What you, the what extent you of my homework was watching the episode again right now and remembering all that stuff. I and the one that I wrote that. down first was James Spader, as we kind of briefly discussed. Yeah. Talk about dating yourself for references as far as who you're going to find as the hot guy that the teen girl wants to call her. You're implying he's not so hot. Uh, I'm implying that he's probably not. I'm sure you'd have a hard time finding teen girls that would be like, yeah, James Spader. I want that guy to call me. Um, but there are others that were interesting, like like Starbucks is a constant reference. But interestingly enough, they were focused on Frappuccinos and not pumpkin spice lattes. What time of year was it? It was fall. No, but I'm saying like that was the obsession. Like when, when frappuccinos were the thing, that's a totally different time than when like Starbucks is the ubiquitous pumpkin spice latte. That really dates the show. Nobody talks about that. That totally dates the show, right? Also, debarge as an insult. That was like so good. That was, you don't know debarge? Oh god, this is where we need to be throwing up pictures of debarge. Um, yeah, Google that. You all have space phones. Google the bar. <laughs> and when that shows up, you'll see, like, why this is an insult. What is that it? was it says, 90s. Uh, hits, 
Was it like a the 70s bar? disco? I can't even yeah. remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 I mean. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. 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 That's it. That you want to go to the mic because that. Get up here. Was there something about cherry wine at some point? That's no, that's a different. Right. We don't have that's to take her. So there's, I feel like this is key to why the show is so popular with like the certain age group that it is, is because these. I feel like these are characters that talked more like, and, and particularly good with nerds. It's not just the occult stuff and the vampire stuff. Like these were. Think about it. How many of you talk in movie quotes and pop culture references? just regularly to your friends, that's how we speak. Yeah. And that's how these people speak in a way that I don't think a lot of other television shows had characters speaking like that regularly. And flash forwarding to Spike, Spike is the only vampire that does it. That's why Spike is so, like, everybody wants to be Spike. I'm sure there are a few guys in here who wanted to be Angelus. I'm sorry for you. But, <laughs> like, that's, that's why Spike is like, yeah, Spike is the guy, you know? Because he's the one that, he's the one we can connect with in that show as a vampire. Well, he's not, like, quoting the codex. Right, he's he not constantly, but, like, he's, he's the only vampire that is yeah. speaking the same language as... Yeah, he's talking about other. Woodstock and Yoda. Right, and exactly. Like he, made a, yeah. he made a Star Wars reference, yeah, for Christ's sake. Yeah, really cool. Well, um, back to episode one. Um, but not as I want to reference the Giles talking about uh, some British pop culture... He taught. He mentioned he'd rather be at home drinking a warm brobel, brobel, and yeah, I had to look that up. And That's it's a freaking gross. reference. It is to British people. I mean, no, not pop. I guess you're right. It's not pop cultural. Sorry, it was a cultural. That's okay. Reference. It's a cultural reference. But um, yep. also the Time Life Magazine one. Yep. And when he he's got all of them and subscribed I to the. I barely camera. remember that. The Time Life what magazine books that you could. What the, the you series? get a phone and a calendar? Yeah. I, I barely oh my God. Yeah, totally. You could get like the football Sorry. phone or the. So a I have man, one. A man gets off, it goes to get on a plane, something stops him, the plane goes down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time Life Mystery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, could get a, you could get a hamburger phone if you ordered it right now. A 12 volume set. Right. Garfield? I have a pop culture reference that's also a fashion reference, which is they mentioned vamp nail polish. Yeah, which. It was a Chanel shade of nail yeah. polish that was this really, really dark red, like kind of a black. Oh, yeah, I like somehow missed red. that reference. I'm sorry. And there were all kinds of knockoffs of it, and there was <laughs> like lipsticks and stuff too. But that color yeah, was that. out of fashion in the quiz, which I was surprised by because I think it was actually Vamp was very hot at that point. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, I mean, the, I remember that. Yes. I don't know. They, they were writing it. ahead because they knew when the show aired. Yes. Or that if young people said it, it would become true. That's he was trying to get rid of vamp nail polish. Is that <laughs> one of the most obvious um, pop culture references? Is the title of our episode, oh. which is you know school hard, which is die hard. Right. Yeah, it's she's up in the ceiling. She's you know going from room to room and everything like she that. She steps on all that glass. She, she steps on a lot of off. glass. No, she doesn't really. Carl Winslow's in it. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> what a great segue, John, because your pop cultural references for School Hard. Oh, oh okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, um, what do you have? So I already talked about Yoda. Uh, oh, uh, the Uncle Tom thing is not really. That's not really pop culture. It's more literature. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it definitely counts as it's Spike 
speaking a certain language that other vampires. Yeah, it, it being an insult is pop culture. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and then Woodstock, of course. You know, Spike also does. What about Jesus? Well, Jesus. He's still popular. He's a pop, he's yeah. a pop culture icon. It's pretty pretty poppy. Okay. But Spike also does this when when the other vampire is coming up and and. I think a lot of people would recognize that as the 80s punch, like the Batman <laughs> punch. Yeah. That's totally that pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, and Willow wears a Scooby-Doo shirt in this episode. One of many episodes where Willow or somebody wears a Scooby-Doo shirt. So yeah. that's what I got. Anyone want to notice anything else? Oh, Spike is Spike is Billy Idol too. Well, Billy Idol. Billy Idol stole it yeah, from, he's a from Spike. Right. Right. It's true. Did we miss any? I, I mean, I noticed the chuckles from the audience when they were dancing. The <laughs> yes. I, is that a po- okay? Let's talk about that because that is important. Sometimes. It I, is. Does anyone know more about how things are filmed? What There's do they no tell music. those kids in the background <laughs> to do? <laughs> They don't even know what song they're dancing to. They're just making it up. There's no sound. But also, that's kind of the way dancing was. Well, do you think? I mean, (laughs) there was a guy doing this. There was a time. There was a time when if you were under 21, you would go to a place called maybe Pulsations, if anyone's from this area. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. You go to the alternative room or the A room. Well, she has been dancing. And you would dance. In Philadelphia, shampoo shampoo had 15... Like, like, and under... At all ages now. Yeah. yeah. Well, the 90s, we dance like that, so everybody just deal. Yeah. Do you remember when, when the show aired, though, and they would do, like, at the end of every episode, they'd be like, tonight's episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer featured songs from... Oh, my God! <laughs> That's <laughs> Yeah, they did that. Yeah. Taking me back. That's my motto, yeah. Taking me back. Yeah. But Buffy wasn't dancing like that. She was totally no. doing. She's like, it was all about like the yeah. hips, like yeah, doing yeah. stuff yeah. with your yeah. hips. This is a terrible time. She looks slightly yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got it. The Buffy dance. That's right a there. good dance. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the one they actually choreographed for her. <laughs> well, and then Anya takes it over and gets into the credits. Yeah, she gets in the credits with the dance. <laughs> with uh, that top and yeah. her boobs, and it's just excellent. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. That was um, a horrible dancer. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You didn't like it. Gets the job done, all right. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so why don't we move on to Buffy language, which is the super fun part. And um, I'm just going to say that all the time, super fun part. So, Home, uh, wait, no, we're doing season one. Uh, season one is Lynn. You have the Buffy language. Season one, episode one. Okay, good, because I actually have notes. <laughs> You can skip over sitch, right? Uh, well, what's the sitch? Yes, that is a big Buffy language. Wiggins, the first time Wiggins is yeah. used is in Welcome to the Hellmouth. I was surprised to that early to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hold on. Are you saying that's the first time Wiggins is ever? Like, well, season one, episode one, the first time Wiggins, like when Buffy talks about the library, that's the first time. Um, okay, hold on. Mm. You have to wait for season two languages. So Cordelia saying, don't you have an elsewhere to be? And Cordelia also says morbid much. So we're yeah. playing around with nouns and places and such like that. What's the sitch is first used um, by Buffy, but later Xander says it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neg and pause. 
What was that? Oh, the whole Nick and Pa's lock, locker room yeah. scene. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And book. I'm oh, good. I got a book. Girls that was like, we all, knew, we all said that. Yeah. But that's Heather's also. That's Heather's as well. Yeah, yeah. which I mentioned in my lecture. Me too. In my. Oh, <laughs> damn, because I was looking at this is pop cultural references, Neiman Marcus. I have that. that. I mean, maybe that's not pop culture either. I'm over it. Um, I think that's all I have. I didn't uh, categorize it, so I'm actually just reading exactly through my notes. Um, which is probably really boring for all you guys. So, <laughs> let's go. Sorry. Season let's two. go to season two then um, with uh, Homey. You have the Buffy okay. language for school hard. What did you get? Okay, I'm just going to say like three things, I think. So, one, actually, from the first episode, what does she say? Uh, Cordelia says, What's your childhood trauma? Oh, yeah. Which is actually a direct awesome. like, homage to Heather's What's Your Damage, Heather? Yeah. Um, so, there was that. Then there's like more, yet more using parts of speech as if there were other parts of speech. So like, can you vague that up for me mm -hmm. a little bit or like the elsewhere thing? Mm -hmm. um, another thing that's just kind of like a, so that's like throughout the series. Um, there's, there's this thing they do also where they'll take a sort of incident and elevate it to the level of a, a sort of general phenomenon or abstract phenomenon. And that's like, it's not from this episode specifically, but um, so like one example would be you have uh, um, like the creepy or the uber suck or mm -hmm. yeah, just yeah, putting yeah. a the in front of it to make it a kind of concept. Um, and then there's just the way that Buffy gets especially chirpy and sarcastic when she's in the middle of slayage, which just to me is one of her more endearing qualities because it just shows her unflappability and that she's her most sort of like Valley girl high school self. And also just kind of like, just getting in these digs and these witty one-liners in those moments of uh, violent peril. I love the fact that you just said slayage in that sentence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just, you just yeah. totally did. I'm, I'm absorbing <laughs> it, yeah. Does anyone know the etymology of the term ragging? Uh-uh. When she I, said I to would, her mom, are you going to... I would assume it's meant. Yeah. I assumed it was a men... Oh. Like, that is something that I loved in the movie, as weird as it is, that yeah. was not translated to the series. Oh, yeah, the menstrual cramps when the vampires show up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Giles is like, use your intuition, oh, right. but in the film. Yeah. Well, I mean, because Cordelia makes a, a a period reference then when she's saying her prayer. And I had never, but I had never, I'd never heard the term ragging before and made that connection. It wasn't until just now, and I thought, is that really what that... You have way too many female friends for this to be. I, but <laughs> I, never, I never accused them of ragging on me, so I... Yeah, but I mean... Nor should you. I just wouldn't even And then, and then Xander finds the tampon and is like... Bleh. That was hilarious. That was like but an excellent after tampon yo -yo. plastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But after he finds a yo-yo... Well, it's to enhance the joke, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's visually... They had, it's TV. Yeah, it's television kids. <laughs> well, apparently she likes yo-yos because in season five, when her mom's in the hospital, I think Willow, that's what Willow, Willow buys her yo-yo. Oh yeah. But it, those are the only two references I've. Is a yo-yo a pop cultural reference? 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, then who missed that? Who missed that? Was that the era when like teams of yo-yo fancy yo-yo people yeah. went around to different schools? Yeah. Oh, different... like in the Simpsons. At least the Simpsons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, like that was a thing, wasn't it? Didn't they go to schools? And... <laughs> they went to. Right. Oh wait, that was the Simpsons. <laughs> they walk the dog. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. So let's go on. Now we're gonna get into character development. Okay. Um, and I was actually just going through our little email thread to be like, who claims who? Hmm. And so, like, who wants to who wants to talk first about character development well, from your assignment? Because I, I mean, I I'll go first if it's easier. I well, I don't have much to say. I got you sent me Cordelia. Okay. And Cordelia, you know, she she begins to date Xander. Uh, she realizes that these people are cool and they become, you know, she has to deal with the fact that her popular friends uh, reject her for hanging out with, with the Scoobies. But one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about Cordelia, even though it's a different series, is that she, like some of the other characters, when we talk about character development, they really develop an angel. There are these, ser there are these characters, and I think Cordelia is a great example, where she was changing and then Xander cheated on her and she kind of regressed. And then I, I, I've always, always assumed that it's because Joss Whedon intended her to have her, her development, her redemption, because Angels, uh, the entire series is about what redemption. What season was it then? When that, was that was three. It was three right? that they three. Okay. Yeah. on her. So I think, you know, by season two, she's, she just has realized that these people are cool and she's okay with being part of that. But I don't think that her real development happens in the Buffy series mm -hmm. in any way. And she, like I said, she actually regresses. Um, well, yeah, well, she's like kind of, as far as the narrative flow, like the punchline, like within the Scooby gang, like conversing. So, um, and also she gets a lot of good lines. She does. Sure. And they, they miss her in season four and they kind of fill her, fill that void with Spike for a while. Um, but then Anya. But then Anya totally takes it <laughs> up. Yeah, Anya picks it up. Yeah. I mean, and Cordelia, I, I, Cordelia gets impaled, which I thought was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and Cordelia stakes of empire in the third season finale. Wow. Spoiler alert. So, <laughs> she, I, I, I think she starts to come into her own, but I think you're right. I think she does regress once she gets hurt. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I, I can go next. I took okay. Willow and... Um, so here, at the beginning, Willow is still just this sort of archetypal female nerd. She's the Velma. Is it Velma yeah. or yeah. Thelma? Velma. 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 Yeah, she's the Velma of the group. Mm -hmm. um, she's she's the hacker. Like if they were a crack team. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. If they were like an Ocean's Eleven, she's like the computer whiz hacker. Uh, she's bookish. She's very mousy. Um, she's surprised that Buffy even wants to speak to her. She's also a bit playing the damsel in distress in these couple episodes that we saw. Um, she gets locked in the closet with Cordelia, and so that's an interesting pairing. It's like the princess and the nerd girl are kind mm -hmm. of stuck and have to talk to each other. Um, later, spoiler alert, she will sort of come into her powers and also her anger at having been dismissed and underestimated in her powers for so long and the results are somewhat demonic but we'll save that for a future hopefully we can session. spoil that for anybody yeah. season six and seven come back november first yes <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we'll... 
Um, I did Joyce, and uh, I was, uh, you know, I'm really fascinated with Joyce. I, I, I think, I think that it, it kind of doesn't seem like she grows that much, especially in these two episodes. But I, I think that she does. I think that she takes some really strong first steps to accepting Buffy, and I think that. Um, Buffy and Joyce have this wall between them where they can't, they can't connect too much because there's this giant secret. And by the end of season two, Buffy comes out to Joyce. You know, she says, Mom, I'm a vampire slayer. And, I mean, the allegory is obvious, but the metaphor is obvious. But I think at that point, Joyce really starts to kind of latch on and, and, and make efforts to, to go beyond the books that she's read uh, and realize that they don't apply to every situation. Um, but before that happens, especially in School Hard, we see Joyce kind of start to apply a, a chaotic logic to this. Like Moo? Yeah, like Moo. No, not, not <laughs> Moo. The opposite of Moo. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, jo I think that Joyce grows as a character, and I, I think that she grows kind of in relation to how much Buffy opens up to her. You also, I remember because it stuck out in my mind, because you were like, oh, I'll take Joyce and Snyder. And Snyder. And I was like, <laughs> I have to hear like why you were like inspired so, to be like, I need to talk about Snyder. I like Snyder too, um, and the reason why is because Snyder is... So first off, Snyder is not Flutie. Um, I know. Flutie, <laughs> <laughs> and the way he gets killed is so—it's pretty brutal. brutal. It's, it's pretty so brutal. brutal. It's, it's like—it's yeah. a brutal episode. Not the way you want to go out. And it's, we can mourn Flutie, but let's be clear—we got Armin Schumerman. I know, and it's All great. Right, it's true. Snyder, like like we said in our presentation, Snyder doesn't belong in any group. Snyder doesn't belong with the mayor because the mayor's clearly playing him. Um, Snyder doesn't belong with the students because he can't relate to them. He doesn't belong with the parents because he's a total freak. Um, in this episode, we start to kind of learn that Snyder is trying to impose order, and that's the thing that he really cares about. He wants order. He just kind of doesn't know how to do it or what that really means. Um, he seems like an unapproachable figure and, and just this figurehead, but I don't know. I think that him losing control of the situation, you kind of empathize with him a little bit. Mm -hmm. Even though he's such a jerk. Such a yeah, jerk. you might be the only one empathizing with him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, he's also a key figure. If you're going back to the Joseph Campbell hero's journey, he's one yeah. of those threshold guardians. He is. He is. And eventually we see him and as... And a key one for someone in high school. Yeah. And eventually we see him as the Marlon Brando character in... Uh, Restless. Yeah. He's also yeah. the first patriarchal figure that Buffy tells no that you know I've got yeah. this, you're not mm. in charge of me. And yeah. that that's such a yeah. huge part of the series. That's very true. And Buffy totally doesn't uh, by the end of the second season, Buffy does not make any bones about the fact that she's a slayer. She pulls out a, a sword from the the bag after he expels her and and says, you know, this is my world. I don't know exactly what she says, but your way out of your league with this. This is something that I have to do. Oh, um, the Ascension stuff? Yeah. yeah. No, not the Ascension stuff. Uh, stabbing Angel. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, 
You guys so want to talk about season three, don't you? No, I no, no, love no. season three. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, and actually, and Principal Snyder That's has hard. a good mo- a lot of good moments in Band Candy, which will be streaming okay. next yeah. weekend. Um, Around you, who do you talk about? Xander. Tell us let's, about Xander. Let's, let's, let's hear about Xander, season one, season two. Season Xander. one, I mean, I, I feel like he's really marginalized, but also he's... He can't fight, he doesn't have any special powers. He's like the every man. This is all kind of, you know, it's all out there. Everybody says the same thing about him. He is kind of prone to a call to violence. Like, he, he wants to be the voice of reason and he's the first person that's like, let's kill this person. You know, I mean, so he's- He especially really says that about Angel. A lot of the time. Um, I'm skipping ahead, but like that, Fight with him in harmony is like one of my favorite Buffy yeah. um, moments yeah. ever. That is pretty awesome. Um, you know, he does get his redemption later. I know we're not supposed to jump, but he, you know, by season four or whatever, I mean, he is the heart and, you know, it carries over. Um, I noticed that. But they, they are so mean to him mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the time. And his humor is like, is a defense mechanism. He is really smart. He's the only one that tests poorly, really. I mean, Cordy yeah. aces the. SATs. He, yeah. I mean, like that episode when the job fair is happening and the Order of Tarakas is trying to kill or whatever. What is it called? Good Order enough. of. Well, that's close. Um, mm-hmm. I like watched that recently, obviously, because I've watched all of them recently. Um, and <laughs> they are so mean to him, and he's so dismissed. So I know there's all this other underlying things that I should not feel bad for Xander, and he is. You know, this like pursuer, he is an opportunist. Like the hyena episode. Well, I mean, yes, but he's also 16, 17. Yeah, he's like, a kid. And he he's has, idiots. He has all female friends, which I think <laughs> is a thing that happens in high school. And those guys are me. different than yeah. other guys. And I don't, I mean, for various reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go, and I don't know if it's, you know, a certain actor's personal things that makes me feel bad for him. Um, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. We're not talking about Dr. Phil. We don't want to okay. talk about that. No. Yeah. Well, but watch yeah. Next week. he is oh. a very important access point humor-wise and he's, I mean, for a guy that doesn't do well in school, he has a lot of references up there so that mm-hmm. come out. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I guess since you were like touching on the heroes journey. I have Buffy uh, for season one, season two. And uh, and basically just because I was just like going through all this stuff, I'm kind of like my headspace is, is there thinking about um, her just finding out that she's the slayer and dealing like with that whole aspect. Um, like refusing to be a hero and having to give up. I mean, she dies in season one and comes back to life. She And at that point in time when she does uh, her re- reawakening is when she truly like comes into her own after uh, she's killed by the master and Xander revives her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, which is actually a really with great- hu- With a human skill I that everyone go- can learn. I mean- Well, I hate to go back, but it important. was very brave of Xander. It was like really good of Xander to like put down his feelings, his feelings aside and go to Angel for help to like search out and help Buffy. Like, yeah, so that totally. was a strong character. He makes a moment later, Xander, a yeah. terrible choice. So <laughs> yeah, he does. Oh god. Anyway, um, so in any case, so then after she comes back on the master, it's like 
uh, really cool is for myself watching, um, seeing her really come into her own as the Slayer after that, really claiming it. Um, and then we get in season two, uh, really there's a lot, her journey turns into a lot of monster of the weeks type of like um, deal, uh, which I think is just, it's just filler for like strengthening her as a fighter, as a slayer. Um, so I, am, I really appreciate all those like episodes, you know, teacher's pad and stuff like that, but, or well, that's season one, but, um, uh, so yeah, and then she, Ted, 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 mm -hmm. um, which we almost picked. Yeah, Ted was Ted's really episode. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Which also, I was like recently making comparisons that I only just realized because I just finished Anne Rule's Stranger Beside Me, and then I watched. I was rewatching Buffy, and I watched Ted, and I was like, "This is totally Ted Bundy." I don't know why I didn't think. I didn't make that comparison before. It's pretty dumb. But also, I went back to check to make sure. Be like, because you know, when you're watching Buffy, like sometimes you're like, "Am I overthinking this?" But there is <laughs> no there, such thing. <laughs> right? Exactly. That's what I've come to learn. Is there's no such thing. But um, he actually has the initials TB like at his work desk station. It's oh. like totally, and he like drives the rust-colored um, bug in the episode, Ooh, which creepy. is totally. So Ted is Ted Bundy. But in any case. We're veering off, the, but I love, like, and that's also Buffy doing, again, the anti-authoritative thing in that yeah. episode, which she's continually mm -hmm. doing, uh, which me, like, I personally relate to, is being anti-authoritative and, and making, like, real change in that sort of way. Um, and then, yeah, her relationship with um, Angel in season two is, like, I, I mean, I feel for Buffy so much because she loses her virginity and then her boyfriend turns evil and wants to, That's you know. Happens. What's that? Not <laughs> that, was, that was the yeah. lesson that yeah. I've been told many girls took away from that episode is that you sleep with a guy and then he turns evil. Well, and well, that's like, yeah, that's pretty much the, uh, unfortunately, the story <clears throat> for a lot of girls. Um, but, so I really feel, I really feel for um, Buffy, like, going through that kind of stuff. And actually, I, I feel embarrassed for her when she loses her virginity and everyone's like, why did Angel turn evil? What happened? Oh, yeah. and, like, her, like, when Giles is the most embarrassing moment, when Giles recognizes, like, what it was and Buffy's there and, oh, I feel for her in that mm -hmm. moment. It's so awkward. And then also, though, the I car. actually just, I yeah. can't. In the car, that's like the, the car. best scene. Yeah. yeah. That's when you want to speak your dad. Well, yeah, except I did just recently see some disturbing Giles Buffy fan fiction. That yeah. I, yeah. I can't unsee it. So it's actually not. Don't click. Do not <laughs> click on it. Come back from fan fiction. Okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Because Giles but. actually has the best character arc throughout this whole series. That's my theory. Speaking of which, don't Yeah, I know I picked him early on, but I thought somebody else in the chain said they wanted to do Giles too, so I don't want to, like, butt in on um, anybody, but... Let's no, go. Like, who did you pick? Giles. I picked I, Giles. I thought, yeah, Giles. so go. Um, Get it. Best character arc because it is doled out to us over the course of this series in such a little bit. Like, we're introduced to this guy as the straight-laced... So stereotypical, like I'm a librarian, I'm a British nerd, I'm yeah. like, and like you just get these little, you learn that, you learn about Ripper. And then you get, like, you just get these little pieces of like, no, actually, Jaws is kind of a badass. And oh, look, then we get into, and then, not to jump ahead, but we're going to talk about Band Candy, and when we do season three, when you actually see Ripper and you realize, oh, that's not the Giles that I know at all. And then, like, again, like it's, 
it's just, it's so subtle and so just tiny little bits throughout the, it's not a giant overarching like total transformation because he's a grown man. He's already the man that he is for the yes. most part. But we get these little hints about like all these things these people don't even know about him because they dismiss him as this, he's the librarian father figure who's nerdy. Like the scene where they, and again, we're jumping ahead to season four, I apologize, but when they walk in on him in the coffee shop at the open mic night. It's one of my favorite. Oh my God, that is such a great scene. Everybody is like, that's Josh. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, and that happens throughout the entire seven seasons. You get little bits of Giles that are like, oh my God, I didn't know that about Giles. And there's that great moment towards the end of season six where Giles comes back from his sojourn. Right. Uh, which I won't give away. But uh, You're worried about spoiling something? Yeah, worry about spoiling that. Because that's such a <laughs> great moment. Um, that's all I'll say about it. It is, yeah. It's such a great moment. And we love Giles then. Because Daddy's home. Um, so, well, also, Lynn, I know you're like, you're new to our round table, newly assigned, um, newly chosen, I should say. Um, did you have a character you wanted to talk about? Um, um, I did, I replied. You, you replied, okay, okay sorry, I, I suck. Oh, you, oh, you replied, you were doing Oh, so I thought somebody else said they were uh, King Giles, too. Can you talk more? Let's, yeah, what Come on, I'm sure I missed stuff. Well, that's fine, I, well, I... I have to admit, I have not rewatched seasons one and two in like five years, so this is all oh, purely okay. from memory. Uh -huh. um, but I focus purely on seasons one and two, and the, you know, I remember tonight watching the very first episode, he's like the textbook with arms, and he's really the mm -hmm. like quintessential British librarian. Right. Um, but over the two season arc, you see him grow into Buffy. like learn better to respond to her and find out who she is mm -hmm. and his responses to her get better and he does become this father figure and grow to love her and care about her and Giles has my favorite line in the entire series in the second season when uh, Buffy says um, have I ever let you down and Giles response is do you want me to answer that or shall I just glare <laughs> Which, as a librarian, I feel like saying to many, many people. <laughs> oh, that's good. Very good. Um, which concludes then um, our roundtable and bringing it into the audience. Does anyone have anything they want to talk about, season ones and two? Oh, we missed something. Yes, what is it? Yeah. Do you, do you want to come into the mic? Yeah, I would like to step up to the mic. Okay, do it. <laughs> um, hi. Oh, it's got notes. You can oh, take yeah. the mic off, too, if you want to listen, if that's more natural. Okay. Yeah. Hi, um, my name is Kevin Schuler Jr. Um, and bear with me for a second, because I'm kind of new to Buffy. Really? Yeah, my friends, like, kind of turned me on to it. And, um... I would like to say that this rewatch was a fabulous introduction. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. I'm thank ready you. to get back into it. Yeah. So thank you so much for your fabulous presentations. You all did a great job. Thank uh, you. And I love your wig. It's not a wig. <laughs> My friend. <it's, laughs> uh, your hair looks fabulous. Thank you. I wish I could find a wig like that. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah. Uh, I have a 
question for you guys. Can any of you identify pop culture references to the makeup or costume design of the vampires? So, like, uh, is there any sort of, like, reference that the vampires... I, I don't know. They sort of have a very specific look. Uh, my first thought was... Um, yeah, I actually... Okay, go ahead. Well, I, I saw an interview with Joss Whedon about that. That's actually a really good question. Um, the reason why the vampires look like they do is because they didn't want they didn't want to have Buffy killing people who looked human. They wanted people who looked, you know, monstrous. They wanted, you know, like the latex and everything like that. Because if you just like tune into a channel and see this girl like killing a whole bunch of people and beating the crap out of them like it's kind of hard to empathize not with them not on the CW not on the CW it's true but that's is that what you were talking about like they're, they're yeah totally like they have that sort of pink face mm -hmm. like the whole but so for pop culture references so when Spike is introduced in um, School Hard he drives up in like a 50s car um, so they're, they're, they're all a little bit retro and the first episode gives a kind of uh, narrative explanation for that, which is that if they've been dead for 10 years, they're wearing 10 years ago's fashions. But, yeah. but it's not always, it doesn't, that doesn't always make sense because Spike was sired 200 years ago and he looks like Billy Idol. So it, there's all kinds of funny things. It's, mm -hmm. The fashion is always a little bit retro. And I think some of them get stuck in the era in which they were sired, like Drusilla, who's wearing a kind of Elizabethan white dress. It's very, like, Victorian, a little bit Edward Gorey. It's like there's definitely some sort of Gothic literature Victorian references going on, but then some of them seem like they kept up with the times for a little while and then maybe stopped their fashion in the 50s, like Spike, because he also has kind of a rockabilly thing with, like, the red yeah. shirt and the, um, the leather jacket. But then well, also the accents, that's something yeah. that I, a lot of people have written about it, but that some pe some accents change. Like how bad Angel's Irish yes. accent is? Yeah. Then Spike has an upper class accent and then develops this more cockney, yeah. which a lot of people thought was you know cool during the punk era in London, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, that type of... Angel even asked him in, eventually uh, in that episode where he's telling Buffy about the slayers he killed. Angel says, "Why do you talk like that now?" You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a conscious choice to change the way he talks. Are we watching that episode because that's that's actually one of my favorites of the entire series. Yeah, mine too. Uh, no, that's that's season five. Oh, oh yeah, that's Lent. Note, take a note. <laughs> Maybe. So that, that is not my possibility. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got some Twilight Zone references, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, like the pig face and the... You know, the <laughs> oh, the nurse! Yeah. Oh, yeah! Right. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. But, I mean, it, Joss Whedon's, like, referencing the whole history of horror on film. Yeah. Even literature, obviously, and virtually every episode. I don't know. I feel one of the things that I like about Buffy is that the vampires are not sexual. They're sexualized, but not as like full attack mode vampires. Yeah. And there's this great meme I almost sent you. That's uh, it's Spike, and it's like something about how he's like he's like he doesn't sparkle. It's all this like anti-sparkling twilight. <laughs> there are all these phrases yeah. that people. Have but we cannot ignore the I've seen angel those, yeah. Edward. 
Absolutely. Well, it's not what you would typically, no. typically think of, of as a vampire. Like, that's what's awesome. It's, it's so sort of, I don't know, bizarre. It's, yeah. It crosses or, some sort of line. Well, again, like I was talking about earlier with Bram Stoker, Stoker's, or, Stoker, yeah, thank you, uh, Dracula, Stoker. Uh, Stroker, Stroker. not that, oh my god. <laughs> anyway, um, it, well, again, there's a bat-like quality to the, the face, so, and, the and that's like yeah. part like of the Like a smell, of, and it's just, they're disgust. I mean, they're not, yeah, yeah I they're mean, walking it's a major dead. departure, yeah, I mean, this is like, this is teen. Mm-hmm. Although it does seem like the the, the, sh- the sorry the, the 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 minions always have like nastier makeup than the major characters I've noticed like it's just slightly different. Yeah, um, Drusilla's mask is slightly up. different than a than a generic female vampire. So a little bit better. It's made for her face, mm-hmm. that actress's face, and yeah. then everything else is just like the extras, like the wardrobe. Exactly. Like the standard ones to slap on. Exactly, and they're yeah. just a little grosser. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but then the master. Who is fruit either? Punch face. Yeah, he's got the fruit punch mouth. <laughs> yeah, but he's also he's great. also stuck like that. Like, we didn't get he to see is, that. Yeah, I know, right? That was prophecy girl, right? That was prophecy yeah, girl. Oh my god, he's got that's fruit the punch mouth. Line <laughs> um, but he's he is almost a bat, right? And yeah. he it, it's either because I'm like the Uber vamps later. Yeah, the Uber vamps later, and also Kikistos, who's got the. Taquitos? Yeah. Kissing toast? <laughs> um, it's either because he's so strong or so old that he oh. just kind of became that way. Yes. There is an explanation for that. What is it? Is that the farther away from their humanity they are, the less they can change back to their humanity. Ah. So he's more purebred. Yeah. He's okay. like a pure vampire, therefore he can't. The less pure you are, the more able you are to switch back to your humanity. Well, he's like... Closer to the like Uber vamps. Uber vamps. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what I got out right. of that. Is he's, yeah. just, he's like the older, purer breed, sort of. Or, well, as they're referred in the Buffy lore, the old ones, which yeah. are the original demons who ruled on Earth way before humans showed up. Mm-hmm. How did we not cover that in the lectures? <laughs> no. oh, Go ahead. Yeah, if you want okay. to. Yeah, um, I can hear you, but. Hi. What's your name? I have Dave. Dave. There's a couple of things that actually jumped out at me in the episode, and uh-huh. you talked about the paint on Buffy's face, and it just grabbed me. I don't know how intentional this was, it but it mirror. also seems to mirror the spike, yeah. the cut on Spike's cheek, because the, the scenes oh, are right God. in order. Yep. Totally. And you see that cut, the paint on her cheek, and you see the paint on Spike's. That's on They were side. totally doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I swear I read that Joss Whedon Spike was not necessarily intended to be in the rest of yes. the series. Yeah, like, that's it's, a, it's that the, he did such a great job with that character that that's why he was brought back and Anya too like that but responded to the fans yeah Um, on the Giles thing is my idea alone but is he like just a a grown up John Constantine that's how I always saw him oh like Ripper is basically like the John Constantine like younger versions before books with the whole exorcism thing because he's also got like this thing in his past it's very much like John Constantine had the exorcism that went wrong Ripper has the thing that went wrong with the demon. Yeah. I saw that as a direct reference. I mean, we know Joss is a comic book guy. Sure. Yeah, totally. And then later on, he's got the preacher, who's obviously a preacher. And, yeah. You know, he's I'm kind of a nerd, I think. But I, <laughs> You think? <laughs> I also, all right, this is... I think it's funny that the Yoda thing, by the way, with uh, Spike, actually makes more sense now. Because now we know that Obi-Wan represented himself as being the student of Yoda. 
but that was only after his worst master died, and Drusilla wouldn't be a very good teacher, um, and that's when kind of Angelus took over as mentoring him, and we can kind of follow that same line with uh, Qui-Gon and then Yoda. I, don't I totally should have had you read that slide. That, that <laughs> would have been awesome. That would have been so much no, better than what I no, said. No, because I don't allow references to those films oh. in, in my world. <laughs> okay? <laughs> You're watching the wrong show. Yeah. <laughs> they do quote it again, I know. I know. I just block it out. That's interesting. Your Giles' is Constantine thing, interestingly yeah. enough, for me, ties in with you're talking about them having a community and a family. Giles' is Constantine if we give him a family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 There it is. I mean, well, John Constantine has a lot of people that, like, he that depend on him, and most of them get killed. So he kind of does have a support structure that he uses as cannon fodder. Right, but it doesn't so. seem like the same kind of, uh, like, family. I guess. If Constantine had the ability to love. I right. Suppose. Yeah. And that was Which like, that's always been, you have talked about that a little bit, is how Buffy, the reason, most Slayers kind of have about a two, three year lifespan, and Buffy's continued because none of them have family. Yeah. And that's the thing, is they kind of do what they're told from their Slayer, I mean, sorry, their Watchers, to just push away people. Kendra. And yeah, Buffy, poor Kendra. yeah, Kendra's all about that, and every, all the other ones that push away people, they die really fast, and Buffy has the support structure, and that's yeah. kind of why she lives for so long. Based kind of an outlier on that, I guess it goes to the cannon butter thing. But she well, gets the mayor. Yeah. She does get yeah. the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the mayor's the, like, I wish yeah, the mayor were my dad. Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little disturbing, but okay. No, I really, I have a, I have like problem, I have issues. We can't talk about the mayor. We will talk great. about it next week, I promise. Mm, so we will have lots time. to talk about the mayor next week. All right. Okay. Yeah. Anything else we're missing? Yes. Yes. Oh, you next. Yeah. So in your presentation, you talked a lot about the importance of community and friendship, and that's obviously a huge theme of the show, basically, friendship is magic. And that's reflected a lot in the villains and characters who don't have this sense of community that they surround themselves with. For example, the character Sheila in Schoolheart, she purposely separates herself from people. Yeah. That does not work out well for her. Um, the master, Glory, they don't, rather than having friends and community, they have underlings. That also doesn't work out well for them. So can we think of any other characters where this is like a problem for them? The, you know, and obviously the characters in the show who do learn to socialize and learn to accept people are more successful than those who don't. Well, Faith, but that's getting way ahead. Yeah. I was going to say Jonathan, but Earshot season three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm picturing everyone as a My Little Pony. So. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we gotta make some, make some fan art of that. I mean, Spike. Oh no. Spike yeah. when he starts fighting, when he gets the chip. I mean, it's his head too. But he gets separated from the demon. <coughs> He's forced to, mm -hmm. to to join the Scooby family. And Spike is well, also a successful villain and stays around for so long because he has first the vampire community that he keeps close. And then becomes like a Scooby sort of. And I think a major part of Angelus losing at the end of season two is because he loses his family. Yeah. He loses Spike mm -hmm. and Drusilla. Um, Drusilla involuntarily, but Spike voluntarily. And if that hadn't happened, Buffy might not have been able to beat him. So I, yeah. Good question. I'm seeing more hands. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Also, what's your name, by the way? Oh, I'm Amanda. Amanda, nice to meet you. 
so my name is Michelle. I have a question about something we touched on a bit earlier with the um, Buffy losing her virginity. That's something. That's a scene that always kind of puzzled me in the show. It seemed to sort of be at odds. They had sex. The general progressiveness of the show. I didn't watch when it was contemporary, so I don't have that feelings about like that. I'm the same age as Buffy. Right. So I like I didn't realize that. Like I guess the. The idea that there's this ass-kicking teen lady who can do whatever she wants, she's anti-authoritarian, she's so independent, but then when she has sex, she just gets totally fucked over, just like everyone else, and it's awful, and I just, it, to me, it was just like this thing on the show that was just an outlier, and I didn't get it, and I just, you know, that's kind of the way with sex in general on the show, I thought, like where you don't see Buffy and Tara, Tara and Willow kiss until they've been dating for like 18 well, years. Yeah, right. I know yeah. that. I know okay. that. I read all about that. But and that just, was where witchcraft was a filler for that. Yeah, by the way. Yeah. yeah, but I, was but. Just, I just want to talk about that. Scene, yeah, I don't know what you guys thought about it. So, but what do you what do you want to know about I guess the scene? Just, like, just um, in my the. The progressiveness of the show. I completely agree. She gets punished. I yeah, mean, you yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. narrative. To me, it's yeah. so it's just a feminist, you know, show. Yeah. Uh -huh. and but, but, but Giles really does redeem that that punishment. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that's actually Joss yeah. Whedon coming through. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but saying no, this is actually the way it is. Two people who cared about each other. I forget if he says love, but. Um, but I, I actually also didn't like that that they had to have been in love to have had sex. Like that that made it that had to happen for it to be okay. Because to be really, but again, maybe it was a censorship thing, and he knew just having casual sex in that show in high school was not going to. Yeah, I think it was also yeah, very definitely the mores of the '90s. As someone who remembers yeah. them. Oh, yeah. Very clearly. Also, if you had sex, you got AIDS and died. Right. Yeah. That's what that the people was, writing. The people writing were bar well, are a little bit old. Well, they're like your age, so I mean, a little yeah. bit older than me, a little bit. I'm old. No, I mean a couple years. Like MTV, like you watch a video and then it'll be like, "We're gonna die." We're gonna die. Like it was crazy. Yeah. It was on yeah, but even, even beyond that, it was like as strong and empowered yeah, as a woman can be. She didn't have the right to just right. have the sexual agency that any guy right. did. Like Xander did. Like Xander like does. Yeah. Totally. Exactly, yeah. So she, she had all this agency, but sexually it's just... Yeah. No, no, no. And then me, not the me I'm being demonized, he literally turned into a demon. Like it wasn't, it wasn't figures, but yeah. it was... I, I completely agree. I don't know. I just thought, to me it was just, I don't know, I didn't ever really think of Giles' um, Whatever. That way. It's always been puzzling to me. To me, it doesn't make the show unprogressive. It's just where there's like always the supernatural narrative, and then there's the real, the realist or naturalist narrative, which is about a high school coming of age story. And that was something that, you know, did happen, and uh, it's how she deals with it. And to me, it doesn't have to be, to be a feminist show, it doesn't have to never show Buffy weak or never show bad things happening to Buffy. It just has to have her deal with them well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the men in her life deal with them well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Sorry. I might offer, I, I get that. I might offer that Buffy was the one who was mature enough to deal with it. It was the boy who had the problem with the sex and he caused all the problems. That is one way you could He is the one who it. turned it, evil. If you want to, if you want to make this make sense, it was a curse though. It wasn't his fault. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. It was. 
Jenny. <laughs> it's Jenny Callender's fault. Yeah, uh, Jenny. <laughs> well, and they just talked about her for many episodes. <laughs> yeah, what happened to her after that? She just kind of just. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, hi, I'm Kate. Um, I thought it was interesting. So I was doing research for dressing as season one Willow, and um, I was reading about Sarah Michelle Geller as Buffy dressing as Buffy, and she apparently asked after season one um, to stop the kind of like over-sexualized costumes kind of exhibited by your miniskirt, which seems it would be hard to do like... And lollipop. <laughs> to fight. And in the first episode of Buffy, you can kind of see her doing all this stuff in this really, really small miniskirt on her first day of school. And it's almost like pain, like kind of as someone who's tried to do things in miniskirts, it's painful to watch. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting that she was kind of like, no, I will wear pants. Um, even though she continues to kind of be like a, you know, she continues to wear huge heels. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And even I remember I oh, was like the line when she's in college, and her like psychology professor, sorry, this has a psychology professor slash like evil lady <laughs> is like a cute like telling her she has to wear like a military uniform. And she says, um, "I've patrolled successfully in this halter yes. many times." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she still has that. I thought that was really interesting that she was kind of, after the season one, the actress, she's like, I'm not going to do that. I don't know, that was more common. Yeah, it's cool. It's good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. How much of that, too, though, is tying in the general public and the audience from the movie version? I, mean, I know that that was the movie, I'm sorry. Uh, I love Luther. No, no, people remember from, from, from the Buffy's character in the movie to get people to relate to her to this brand new TV show that has the same character that's completely I don't. I don't think there was. I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm trying to think back when I my sisters told me this cool show was on, and I said, "How could it be cool? It's related to that movie." They don't. Remember, they didn't remember the movie. <laughs> you know, so they were the right age. Like I was a little bit old for it. They were the right age, and they didn't remember the movie at all. So I think they banked on that to not because it's really. I mean, it really. It's breaks. very divorced from the movie. Yeah. yeah. It still has the, the comedy, but not in the same slapstick. You know. Way, although I would love to have Paul Rubens have been in yeah. um, it somehow, which anyway. Um, so yeah, anybody no, else want to? I mean, I see because they have the whole part in season one of the trailer tryouts that go miserably, and like I mean, <coughs> there are some some characters. Yeah. Well, they acknowledge her history, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and they also they they get this great out where they don't have to do an origin story, because origin stories are boring, and I don't like them at all. Like, you, can, you know, the skipping it, going right to the meat of what's going on, really kind of gets the season, which the first, the first season is an abbreviated season, and it really kind of jump-starts it. And we get right into the action. We, we watch one episode, and we know all the rules, we know all the players, we know about her powers, everything like that. We don't have to have the scene where she finds out, oh, Right. I'm the Slayer. And you don't have to have watched the movie, which is the That's best part. That's extra bonus. <laughs> if you have to watch the movie. Yeah. Unless you like the part. If you're really bored on like a Tuesday
the metaphor of that being really, really unsubtle by the end of season two of her basically embracing a queer identity. Yeah. In a sense, I mean, you literally have her coming out to her mother, like you said, in season three, Choice Makes the Comment, you know, I tried to march in this later Pride Parade. Like, the subtlety kind of goes out the window. And I'm kind of wondering, like, what you guys take, what your guys take on that, especially comparing, um, take that metaphor for what it is, but compare it, like, how Buffy deals with it versus, versus Kendra and versus Faith in terms of how they each kind of embrace that identity versus kind of like an assimilationist version, closeting, things like that. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, you hit it right on the head that, that the metaphor is, is right there. I don't know that Kendra ever really deals with it. Kendra is, 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 is kind of like put in a position where she's isolated away from her family and everything like that. Faith is complicated. Um, was kind of read as, um, well, Faith didn't have parents. Like, yeah. Very, very militant. And since like, she takes it, you know, that much further, it's like, I am who I am, but I'm also going to be like, look at this positive and separationist. Yes. But at the same time, like, in, in, in everyone's favorite episode, Amends, um, which is totally not everyone's favorite episode, <laughs> <laughs> Joyce reaches out to, Buff, to, or, to Faith. Joyce invites Faith to Christmas dinner, you know, and I think that she sees her own daughter going through this gigantic thing that coincidentally this other girl who maybe is really different than her daughter, but is going through the exact same thing. Um, and I, I think that Joyce coming out to her mom, like eventually like the whole, I mean, Buffy coming out to Joyce, uh, the whole Slayer thing kind of becomes less and less of a deal, especially like in season five when we've got part of the narrative. It's kind of like an organic narrative where, yeah, you have to know that she is because this has to deal with this other member of your family, Dawn. Um, but Joyce is more concerned with a familiar relationship than this issue of Slayer slash queer. Um, it's more about the relationship. I think, I don't know. I'm sure this has been written about a bunch, but one of the things that I like about the show is almost every vampire, not every, but virtually every vampire text, the vampires are the, the queer, the queer bodies, right? Yeah. And in Joss Whedon's universe, it's the slayers and the witches and the vampires, I mean, if you actually look at who sired who, it's always heteronormative, mm -hmm. at least in the, the nuclear family. And I feel like the way vampires kill, it, I mean, it's, it's sexy. I mean, you, you like Spike. It, it does nothing for me uh, in this You're particular kidding. series. It does nothing <laughs> for me. But uh, that's something that I, I, it's obviously not very articulated, but I've always seen it as a, like, Joss Whedon, we didn't intentionally kind of pushing that away and reversing. Yeah. yeah like normalizing. Exactly. Yeah, normalizing. I mean, it, it, I mean, look at Drew and Spike. They're totally in love. And um, but how often do you actually do. see like a a very dramatic long take where you know a male vampire bites a male human or a female vampire bite? Other than like when Willow, when Evil Willow. Evil vampire willow, not evil witch willow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they keep those separate. But yeah, so that's just something I'm throwing out there. That's what I've thought of a lot. So you're saying that that 
the show kind of well even queers good guys Queers the good guys because yeah. traditionally from the time of Carmilla the first technical vampire text ever right that's other than succubus or whatever that uh, it's a, a female nanny who is the succubus of a family and female characters the female daughters I think I, I named my cat after this book oh. but uh, I haven't read it for about fifteen years but from the from the beginning and then in, in uh, Stoker's Dracula, obviously. It's brought in immediately. <laughs> Sorry for the abrupt ending right there. I assure you Kate had the closing statement that we ended on. Um, so this concludes our seasons one and two roundtable discussion. And thank you for listening.